Have you ever stopped to think about yourself and your story? If someone were to write your memoir, what would it say? We all seek some level of authenticity, but have trouble removing the labels and finding our whole story. Welcome to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. In this program, we'll explore diverse stories on identity to help determine what is truly yours. Now, here is your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to the show, everyone. Great that you're with us for our guest today, Linda A. Curtis, author of the beautiful memoir called Shunned, How I Lost My Religion and Found Myself. It's about identity, which is our topic on dropping in, and we'll talk about the truth as the Jehovah Witness religion calls its doctrine and asks this question. We will ask this question of Linda and of the doctrine. Does anyone have a corner on the truth? What was the impact on Linda, a young girl growing up near Portland, Oregon, with the notion of being in possession of the truth? How did she ultimately break out of that rigid construct to find her own beliefs? And now, years later, how does she negotiate endings and closures that are inevitable in life, love, family, and in being shunned? It's a spiritual journey, a quest for truth, an investigation into science and psychology, and most of all, Linda's story provides a role model for individuation creating an individual identity in a world that asks and sometimes even demands conformity to its principles. The poet David White said, you must learn one thing, the world has made us to be free in. The world was made to be free in. Think about it. Give up all the other worlds except the one to which you belong, he says. I'm here to tell you that that constitutes a lot of giving up And as Linda's story will show, she's figured and learned along the way how to navigate that path. Last week, when we spoke to Kate Kaufman, we alluded to the Camino de Santiago, the Walk of St. James, which is a trek followed by hikers and seekers for centuries. They're often in pursuit of spiritual identity. So many people have taken this path to discover something about themselves or remind themselves of their own authenticity that the way the Camino has taken on a kind of character or even an aura. Many emotional barriers dissolve for people while walking it, and many people put themselves back together after a crisis by this trek. But the main thing is finding one's truth, and in a sense, in that sense, We're all on the virtual Camino. We're busy discovering for ourselves what works in our lives, piecing together our philosophies about how to live, and creating our belief systems, sometimes from scratch. What happens when an order like the Jehovah Witnesses proclaims that belief system for you? Linda Curtis is a survivor, but in a larger sense, we all are. We've shed many skins to come to where we are. With the lens of time, beliefs that we once hold dear may become archaic, to be distilled for their usefulness at the time. Our evolutions are journeying even when we're asleep. At times, the anecdote for trauma is to develop control through a rigid set of beliefs, control over events that have disappointed us, compartmentalizations and classifications and assumptions and labels for people who have hurt us, barriers to protect our tender hearts. We target the outside by creating constructs and notions because we're frustrated at having so little control sometimes. And if other larger forces are at work, are they benign or malicious? See how our determinations about that question are affected by the comfort we need to get by. Are we punished and limited in this lifetime? That's probably what the Jehovah's Witnesses might think. What is the role of joy and happiness then? And if we're repressed, how can we fill our destinies and our potentials? I've experienced excommunication from my family for beliefs we didn't share in the form of a boyfriend my parents disapproved of. Unknowingly, My biological identity continued to in school, even as I became an adult adoptee. 
I'd become disowned and cut off from my parents for a boyfriend they didn't approve of when I was age 18. My biological mother had become estranged from her family for having gotten pregnant with me when she was 19 and then surrendering me to the orphanage. It was a similar time period in our lives. I stayed out of contact with my family for two years. And after four years and having moved away from Stuttgart, my biological mother eventually left Germany altogether to live in the United States with her American soldier husband, one state away from where I grew up in Philadelphia. She never looked back, but she always looked for me. The two years in exile with no communication was a great source of shame for me. My sense of self was shattered and withered. It was hard to develop a vision for the future when the foundation had taken, been taken out when I was age 18. I deferred going to college. It was necessary to get my bearings, to see if I could live without parental approval. That was a test. And in her book, Shunned, Linda Curtis will take you on her journey of self-development and rebirth as an individual on her own. For the rest of my life, I was aware that I sought autonomy, agency, self-sufficiency. Working with my grandmother, who worked for a catering company, we cooked together, side by side in the kitchen, sweltering hot, tight spaces, but understanding one another, our need, my need to be alone, and our need to be on our own. Yet I hadn't been raised that way, and it took a long time before I developed the skills of self-sufficiency. Women in particular may not be trained to think of themselves as standing on their own, but we might have to do that one day. And how do we create closure around our choices? Men too may face life alone. We think of it as though life is one big initiation with new beginnings arising everywhere, but the process of growing is about endings and sheddings and discernment. How do we cope with those necessary goodbyes, those closures that are needed to move on and gain traction? Toni Morrison said, give up that shit that weighs you down so you can fly free. But what is the skill set for letting go? Linda Curtis has been, become a life coach on honorable closure. And she will share with us her insights. Since I grew up in the 1960s and 70s, it was a badge of honor to rebel, and it came as second nature to carve out my path. But I also grew up in a conservative conservative environment like she did, and the need to please was just as much of a force, though I didn't want to admit it. Last week, when we talked about Kate Kaufman's book, Do You Have Kids?, Jen Hoffman, who's going to be a future guest with us, wrote this about her trek on the Camino, and I think it pertains to what we're talking about today with Linda. Walking the Camino each time, she did it twice, took Jen seven weeks. She put work on hold. She wrote, I gave myself permission to leave behind every role I had, to find out who I really was when I didn't have any of those hats to wear. It was really unnerving because I like knowing what my responsibilities are. I've also always been other-oriented, wanting to know what people expect of me so I can be whatever it is that they expect. And you'll see in talking with Linda that she too was a person who really wanted to please. She wanted to succeed. She had a performance drive. But there was a conflict, and the conflict involved the belief system of her family the Jehovah's Witness and the truth, the cornering, the exclusive cornering of the truth. I really feel as though um, in Linda's book and in my own memoir, the urge to record and create a document of your story is so important to verify your inner world and your existence so that you can externalize your story and hold it up to the light. This need to validate through words and declarations is what led me to writing. Now that I've written my own memoir and received many awards for it, I hope to help other writers not just tell their stories, but prepare them correctly for publishing to a wider audience. Check out my website, True Nord Media. The True Nord comes from the compass, True North. 
where I help to break down what's working, and our editors will come along to revise and perfect your vision as a writer. We've got a book agent who brings your manuscript to fruition by getting it published. And Linda Curtis and I share a wonderful publisher, She Writes Press, that champions the writing of unheard voices. At True Nord Media, we're here to help, and we're here to combine and complete the fold. I want to now turn to our guest. Um, I know that we've talked about embracing different identities and acknowledging self-assigned labels um, if we want to survive the many other crises that face us. But as a result, um, in a larger sense in society, some of the more traditional, uninclusive religions and institutions seem to be breaking down. Paradigms of what's acceptable are dissolving and realigning. Can the center still hold in a world or a religion where pejorative views still exist? My narrative is that we're all friends here and we want the same things, to be witnessed, to be valued for who you are, and to be upheld because we have some idea what's best for ourselves. If we can learn respect for our own attitudes, we can set ourselves free and do the same for others. That's what Linda Curtis is here to do for us. We're going to um, talk with her in a moment, and I'm going to give you right now just a brief bio of Linda. You won't want to miss our conversation. Linda Curtis is an author, teacher, and keynote speaker whose life experience has granted her expertise on the subject of endings, large and small. She'll tell us about them. As a champion of honorable closure, which is a learned process, a dynamic part of our human experience, she mentors individuals, executives, and teams in transition, supporting them from the unfinished business to dignified completion. She is a master mindfulness teacher at the Google-born Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute and an accredited ICF coach. Linda lives in Marin County, California. She's a hiker, a yogini, an avid cyclist who loves celebrating life with friends and chosen family while enjoying the jammy notes of a fine Cabernet. Learn more about Linda's work at www.lindaacurtis.com. I'm going to um, suggest to you that each one of us comes from a specific point of view that influences, obviously, the kinds of beliefs we hold. The monopolistic view of the truth was what struck me about Linda's book, Shunned, How I Lost My Religion and Found Myself. But I understood that kind of um, thinking that there was only one way, one winner, one way to be. Because I had been named, as you may know from other uh, dropping in episodes, I was named for Miss America the year that my parents adopted me from an orphanage in Germany. I was named for Leanne Merriweather the year that I was, grown, I was flown with my grandmother to America to unite with my adoptive parents. Leanne Merriweather won the crown and I was dubbed Diane Lee as a compromise solution. Whenever I mentioned this coincidental moniker to other kids, they only wanted to know one thing. Was this grandmother your real grandmother or was she your adoptive grandmother? They'd forget all about the fact that I'd had an impossible label attached to me that I might as well have been named Barbie doll. I'd say, she's my real grandmother, thinking, how could she have been anything other than real when I had no biological relatives that I knew of? It was daunting to think I'd have to compete in life in each of these Miss America categories, looks, personality, brains. There was no other way to get ahead. But the motivation had implicitly been conveyed. Apparently, if I wanted to win at life, I would have to try to measure up to win approval in these categories. And maybe if I was beautiful enough like them, like the contestants on Miss America, I gain even love. From that, on, that point on, I understood that no matter how much talent was in the room, only one title, person could win that title. It was a dawning realization that there were only binary solutions, one winner who takes all, and by extension, one mother and father, and maybe one way to believe. There was no use in my wondering where my biological 
biological parents quite might be. The notion of them was to be banished in favor of those who worthily and rightfully claimed the title, my parents. There would never be anyone other than them, or so I thought. And in much the same way, Linda grew up in a kind of monopolistic field. She began pioneering for the Jehovah's Witnesses at age nine, meaning knocking on door to door. You're not going to want to miss her story of breaking out of this and becoming her own true self. Don't go away. It's dropping in with Linda Curtis. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Has your manuscript languished because you can't find the direction it wants to take? Or have you lost the motivation to finish and polish it for publication because it can be such a big, formidable task? Let Diane Dewey help you resolve your writing issues. Diane's manuscript coaching offers help with sticking points like the arc of your story and how to flesh it out, finding the inner story and what you want to say, developing your message, the revelations that become your reader's takeaways, helping to rally the motivation to finish your project, and what to do next. We can analyze, edit, and advise you on publishing. Who are the next collaborators on your writing path? If you seek resolution to these and other questions, please contact Diane Dewey, author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Find her at truenordmedia.com. That's T-R-U-N-O-R-D media.com. Or on her author's page, dianedewey.com. Diane can also be found through social media. Connect with her through the links on the show page. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to ddewey at truenordmedia.com. That's the letter D. Dewey at trunordmedia.com. Now, back to Dropping In. And we're back with Linda A. Curtis, author of the beautiful memoir, Shunned, How I Lost My Religion and Found Myself. It's a story of growing up inside the Jehovah Witnesses' faith and then becoming a woman who became curious about life. Welcome to the show, Linda. We're delighted to have you. Thanks, Diane. Great to be with you. I, um, I want to start out, actually, by giving a little primer on the Jehovah Witness uh, belief system, because I was fascinated and riveted by your memoir and your story, but also largely unaware of, I would say, um, the absoluteness. Um, I don't think anyone mm-hmm. would argue with that. Um, but also like the actual beliefs. And I would just, um, I, I would, I'm going to ask you to put it in your words for as, as, a, as kind of a brief um, intro to Jehovah's Witness. But I noticed several points. One was the certainty of Armageddon, um, the mm-hmm. discouragement of, um, let's say, education in a larger sense, in the traditional sense of mm-hmm. universities, colleges, uh, degrees, mm-hmm. a kind of transcendent belief over and above the laws of the land, right, about marriage and divorce, um, and a yep. kind of a discouragement of ambition. Um, and I guess... We all know the proselytizing. We we know the pioneering the door to door because we've all had the experience of having our door knocked on. Um, what might mm-hmm. a Jehovah's Witness say, and what kinds of things um, are the critical beliefs that that you that you refer to when you think of that your former mm-hmm. your former yeah. religion? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with where you started with the idea and the belief that there is an eminent Armageddon, and that drives a lot of the rigidity of the religion and beliefs that I think are really grounded in fear. So 
the, the overview of the belief is that, that Jehovah God, and that, that is viewed to be God's personal name and how he wishes to be addressed, uh, that Jehovah God is, um, you know, almighty. He's the creator, and he created Adam and Eve. They, they're, they're fundamentalists in the way that they actually believe literally things in, that are said in the Bible, and um, including, you know, that you should shun people that leave the religion. <laughs> we can get to that in a moment. But they believe that Almighty God, this Jehovah, uh, created the earth and put Adam and Eve on the earth. And the, uh, the original vision was that human beings who were physically perfect and had the capacity to live forever would fill the earth, populate it, and the earth would be a beautiful paradise uh, that would be very, very peaceful. And um, that is what God originally intended. But, of course, we know sin was introduced. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Satan, the devil, is a very real personage, uh, uh-huh. maybe a spirit, but still an actual personage, who wants to... Uh, uh, tempt and, and avert as many humans as possible away from Jehovah God and uh, towards him. Uh, mm-hmm. this is, these, are, these are things that uh, they get from, from scripture. So I grew up with, in the idea that God is going to actually restore that original vision to the, to the earth, uh, that he's going to bring back uh, paradisic conditions uh, after this Armageddon that's been promised and mentioned in the Bible. So uh, God will destroy all of the wicked people that he finds on the earth at the time uh, this Armageddon happens, and mm-hmm. he'll save all of the people that worship him, and he'll destroy those that do not, and he'll destroy all the systems and things that humans have put in place that have failed to bring peace. So right. in my growing up, I, I saw that I'm supposed to knock on doors and preach and tell people about this impending Armageddon. So basically, um, you know, so they could get on the right team. They could get on the team I was on, Jehovah's team. And so, you know, preaching and knocking on doors is considered an act of care and love for our neighbors. And, mm-hmm. of course, as a pleaser, and you referenced that at the top of the show, wanting to do good and getting pats on the head. I started knocking on doors when I was a young girl, and I did that um, every month through my entire life until I was 30, and I left, left the religion. So it's an integral part of the faith that we preach and, you know, uh, proselytize. Because, right. you know, this Armageddon is really coming any time, and I talk about this in my memoir. Like, yeah. I really lived with this idea as a little girl and then as a teenager and then as a young woman that literally Armageddon is coming any minute. And to quote scripture, we must be ready for it. It will not be late, you know, late in terms of God's timing. So right. you, if it's not here I, yet, you've got to trust it's going to come and you just keep, keep your head down and, and stay uninvolved with worldly things. Don't go to university because you don't want to get distracted because Armageddon's coming you know, don't get too big of a job that will take too much of your time and draw you away from, um, you know, spiritual activities like going to the Kingdom Hall and knocking on doors. So it's a, if you just take those two beliefs, that actually drives a lot of what goes on beyond that. Right. Well, and it would, yeah. it would, because um, and now it makes perfect, it's a perfect logic what you're saying, because... I mean, Armageddon, I'm, I, and I'm really very um, much adamant that we be non-judgmental here, but I mean, Armageddon as a, a pretext um, is certainly, um, you would wonder why there would be such a following because it's a little gloomy, right? If all we're to do is prepare for the end, but um, yes. but you know that's not the first that's not the first belief system that's been based on negativity, right? So, I it just it just is um, an extreme form. But I mean, I loved the pivotal moment when you were, as you were just describing your um, progression. Um, to, you know, in proselytizing and knocking on doors, that you um, knocked on the door of a co-worker, a man that you truly mm-hmm. admired and respected. 
and really deeply felt was a very good human being in your interactions with him. And you had to look him in the eye and tell him that, yes, he was going to die. How how, That was riveting for you. And that changed that <laughs> well, sort of was. sudden motion. It kind was. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, and just to clarify, what what you're really conveying in that moment that you described was not to, I, the words you're going to die didn't really come out of my mouth, but there was the implication that, you know, sharing with him, God's going to destroy the wicked and this is what's going to happen. And, you know, by virtue of what I was saying, I heard, oh my God, I basically told this man he's going to be destroyed, you know. And do I really believe that uh, a loving God would do that to somebody like this? He's really, I know, to be a very, very fine person, you know, high integrity human being. And that's when I kind of got um, rattled out of my reverie, uh, was happening when I was in my late 20s and, um, you know, just the normal course of a Saturday knocking on doors and sometimes when we get hit over the head, you know, just going through our day, normal life and something happens that wakes us up and it's in something new and that was, that was how it worked for me. I loved that you became kind of mindful at that point. You started an internal mm-hmm. dialogue about well, wait a minute, mm-hmm. what am I saying? Like you started to a talk between your inner and outer selves. And um, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that that, mm-hmm. that is uh, pretty uh, discouraged as well in the sense of challenging, but then that obviously is the way forward in terms of growing. I wondered if you would, um, you know, the arc of the book, you, 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 from that point, you sort of spiral out and become more and more self-aware. And I wonder if you, you would just talk about what personality traits you thought you had. Um, was it intuition? I mean, not not just traits, but forces that were at work. I mean, there was a kind of a mindfulness. You were trying to be honest with yourself. Was it intuition mm-hmm. that was guiding you? Was it, what was guiding you through the process of, I mean, ultimately uh, shedding all of this? What do you think was happening, really? Uh, what a great question. Um, well, I think, and I know that I'm one of, of tens of thousands of people that have left my religion, my former religion, because, you know, people leave that religion. Um, it, according to Pew Research, my religion, uh, former religion has the uh, lowest uh, retention rate of any religion in the U.S. Um, one in four people that are raised in a religion will leave it. Um, and so, uh, I know that I'm in good company here, but what I will say it takes for me and I know for others is courage. Like it's, you know, because you've come from something strict that if you leave, you will be shunned and you know that because you've watched other people leave and be shunned and like really shunned, (laughs) like completely cast out, cut off. You do not hear from people. And that's one of the worst things. I, I consider that a form of emotional terrorism. It, it's exactly. very torturous. And mm-hmm. so for me, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't believe this anymore. And I want to, I want to, for me, it started with, I just want to take a break from yeah. going to the kingdom hall and all of this and sort of sort out what do I believe? I was very jarred. If I don't you know, these things I've been believing my whole life are, I'm questioning, it's very uncomfortable. I just wanted to hit the pause button and kind of be on my own for a while. And I did do that. And then it turned into actually leaving the religion about a year later. But right. you know, to your question, it takes courage. You're, you're sitting there looking at, I'm going to get cut off from my family. And I was, I was close to my family and a loving family. And I yes. knew that some of my best friends, you know, people that had been in my wedding and I'd been in their wedding, they would cut right. me off. And they no, did. Think, so courage, yeah. courage is the first thing. But I feel like we all have this inner drive, this inner essence of mm-hmm. who we are. And um, that uh, you call, you mentioned the word intuition. That's definitely part of it where there was just something inside of me that I could not ignore that said, go this way, go this way. Yes, it's going to be painful. Yes, it's going to be painful, but you can do it. 
and I'd get scared. Well, how is this going to work out? You know, I, I used to have mm-hmm. moments of doubt, like, what if they are right and Armageddon's coming? Sure. Then I'm out and I could be destroyed. So I, had, I hadn't, you know, yet completely abandoned that belief. So I'd go back to it every once in a month again. You know, maybe that is true after all. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's a period when you when you leave in the early parts of leaving a religion. I, I, the part of me, the intuition, the voice, that internal voice that came up um, was just fortunately strong enough and loud enough, and yeah. I had the wisdom or the good sense, if you will, to listen to that voice. Right. And, you know, and allow it to be a bigger voice than the than the fear, which was which was enormous and did take great courage. I recall yes. uh, our talk with Andre Dubus the third, who who mentioned intuition. The Greek for intuition is protection. It, it, the word means protection. So you're getting an in, oh, inner guidance, a, a, a protection from intuition and so you you know you instinctively allowed yourself to trust it which was an incredible thing because you had a sense of belonging I think it's important for everyone to know that you had you did have this loving family they come across in the book as being kind of warm and lots of fun in certain ways and people that you would want to yes. be with and it's not as though you had a miserable yes. childhood you had a wonderful kind of warm, embracing childhood. And in fact, it yep. seemed as though when you hit that pause button, what you were really looking for was space and freedom. And it kept reminding me of the dichotomy of freedom and belonging, the need to belong versus the need for freedom to explore, to to mm-hmm. find, to, as you say, yes. this inner essence that's pulling you forward. And, you know, I think um, facing abandonment for all of that not everyone could do that. And I think your book then becomes a wayfinder, mm-hmm. a signal for people yeah. um, who, are, who are attempting to do something that will displease people mm-hmm. around them. And um, what, yep. what a huge um, contribution that is. I, I just congratulate mm-hmm. you. Um, I congratulate you for it. Um, I want to say... Oh, um, yeah. I, I also want to say, so you, you went then, uh, I'm going to just sort of skip a few points, but you, you found sure. yourself in Chicago and you found yourself in the corporate world. And in the beginning, it was a struggle, as it would be, um, in a new place, mm-hmm. a new environment, a new job. But you had the chops. You, were, you became a banker. You became accomplished. And um, mm-hmm. I think this was, you know, probably very threatening also in the worldly sinful place that you were in, but you were championing it. But before it came together and crystallized, you were having your own doubts and you were wondering whether you were being punished. I wonder if yeah. any of those nagging doubts ever return just subconsciously to haunt you, mm-hmm. even in moments of trials mm-hmm. and tribulations, and even now, where does no, that go? No, I don't. You know, that's a belief. It's a construct, you know, that will be punished and that I've let go of. So in my own development as a human being, in my own thought process, I, you know, I have been out of that religion since 1995. I was shunned starting in 1996. So you and I are having this conversation in 2020. <laughs> so mm-hmm. years go by, and as they do, we continue to develop, we continue to grow. And you mentioned freedom, and you mentioned belonging, and uh, just allowing myself to be open to consider different ideas. And and I still feel like I'm that way. I I haven't ascribed to one individual religion or joined another organized religion, though I consider myself very egalitarian and esoteric in my beliefs. Um, I love hearing about different religions and uh, so forth. And, and in Chicago, yes, in the early days when, of what I would call recovering from my religion, mm-hmm. recovering how to think, recovering, you know, just from being shunned and having to rebuild. It's a lot to handle and you're processing a lot. And, and in that time, I still had connections to old ways of thinking and believing, which was, 
if something goes wrong, oh, maybe God's punishing you. Maybe this right. is a sign that you should go back. So I, that was an old way of thinking. But right. now I really understand <laughs> guilt yeah, in another way. You know, there's useful guilt, right. <laughs> which is yeah. for, about being punished. And then there's another way, which is just a signal that, oh, I've, I'm a little out of alignment with my own values and what I know is the right way to, to be. And right. then you course correct so that that can exactly. be addressed. But I no longer feel like I'm being watched by some higher being that's going to punish me if I don't do what that that entity wants. Right. And so the guilt line up anymore. Good. Good. Well, yeah, another triumph, but I mean one that is also a natural offshoot of creating self awareness and developing a vision for your, mm-hmm. yourself and your life from your mm-hmm. from your mind. Actually, I mean, you were a seeker. You are a person who is still mm-hmm. seeking, and um, I think that idea of the truth being a very elusive thing, and whether or not we even have it as a whole uh, remaining remaining issue, and whether it's even ours to quote have, whether we are united um, as human beings because we really don't have the truth, and that what we need to do is be compassionate towards ourselves and one another. Um, because of it and because we're doing the best we can. I really, um, you know, enjoy this book about um, stripping away and coming into your own. And also what you just mentioned was very key for me, realigning yourself and that listening to your own values. And I want to talk about the notion, we're going to take a short break here, but when we come back, I'd like to talk about the notion of your life coalescing, coming together, and really bearing fruit once you've started aligning with yourself. So don't go away, folks. We're going to be continuing our conversation with Linda A. Curtis, author of Shunned. Be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Has your manuscript languished because you can't find the direction it wants to take? Or have you lost the motivation to finish and polish it for publication because it can be such a big, formidable task? Let Diane Dewey help you resolve your writing issues. Diane's manuscript coaching offers help with sticking points like the arc of your story and how to flesh it out, finding the inner story and what you want to say, developing your message, the revelations that become your reader's takeaways, helping to rally the motivation to finish your project, and what to do next. We can analyze, edit, and advise you on publishing. Who are the next collaborators on your writing path? If you seek resolution to these and other questions, please contact Diane Dewey, author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Find her at truenordmedia.com. That's T-R-U-N-O-R-D media.com. Or on her author's page, dianedewey.com. Diane can also be found through social media. Connect with her through the links on the show page. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to ddewey at truenordmedia.com. That's the letter D. Dewey at trunordmedia.com. Now, back to Dropping In. And we're back. We're here with Linda A. Curtis, author of the memoir, Shunned, How I Lost My Religion and Found Myself. What a fascinating, expansive, generous memoir this is. I urge you to have a look if you're seeking or deciding or finding yourself, and that includes everyone and who isn't. So um, I, I think that we were, just before the break, we were, you know, alluding to a way in which you, Linda, um, because you started aligning yourself with your inner values and getting in touch with your own inner guidance, your your life and your, your potential um, started really manifesting and you... 
um, became extremely accomplished in your career, um, corporate life, mm-hmm. and also, mm-hmm. and, and also, I think, found um, what I would call a flow. You, you, you developed interests and altruistic interests and charitable interests and biking interests and and things that um, really went beyond any of the limitations that you had grown up with in the sense of we need to hunker down and prepare for the Armageddon. Your life became a kind of a counterbalance to that. And um, I I just wonder, Mm -hmm. is that a kind of a mantra then that you inherently adapted that if we do align ourselves inwardly with our values, that that is something that will find, a flow will find a way into our lives as well? Is that, is that something or, you know, how do you read that for yourself? Hmm. Well, hmm. let's see. That's so interesting. I think a happy life, a life that, as you described, that's in flow is a, is a result of good choices. so you you just have one choice point after another after another and so you know and that choice leads to another so I I had a disturbing encounter with a coworker, you know years ago and made a choice that I would stop um, and question a religion and then I made another choice you know and those and so on and and you know I just I think it's good for all of us to learn you mentioned uh, giving yourself permission, you know, at the top of the show and your own story and how we, we need to, or, and one of your authors, I'm, I'm sorry, someone who wrote in that said they gave themselves permission to take that seven week or trip to, mm-hmm. uh, to do the Camino. And that's what we need to do. I mean, nobody else is going to give us permission to be ourselves. That's it's really up right. to us. And it's up to us to save our lives. That's not our partner's responsibility. That's, and so whatever it is that's going on, um, we, we have the right to be happy and the responsibility, I think, to act on what will make us happy. And yes. that requires just choosing and, and choosing to listen to our intuition, choosing to uh, follow that even when it's hard. And mm-hmm. I think always there are going to be losses. You know, as we grow and develop, we're, you know, in my case, it was a very extreme losses of being shunned. But, you know, I still, as I grow and develop, friendships will come and go for my life based on my interests or, you know, how things are going. Or you make a choice to go in another direction and it doesn't please somebody else. You know, it's right. not my job to make other people happy. Right. <laughs> That's one of the big learnings I took away. And that doesn't mean we have to be harsh or unkind with important people no. in our lives. But it just means that, um, you know, as Mary Oliver said, what are you going to do with this one uh, precious life? You know? Exactly. And, um, so mm-hmm. in that way, I, I just feel like that's what I keep doing. And it's working out really well. And that doesn't mean that since I've left my religion, I don't have challenges, that I don't suffer from the vagaries of life and existential questions. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that's all still there. But I feel like I'm living my life, not somebody else's life. That's empowering. That's very empowering. I do think, though, um, one thing that I, I, I... also think is very cool. If we look at the kind of positive value of your upbringing, you were very hardworking. You were very disciplined Mm -hmm. from an early age because there's so many requirements in this faith, in the Jehovah's Witness uh, program, if you will. Mm -hmm. And you had a structure (laughs) and a dedication that, um, you know, Mm -hmm. while we're busy looking at the abstracts here, of um, you know choice and flow. I also I also think that in, ingrained in all of this is this commitment that you had and your knowledge that you had to work really really hard. And I think you applied mm-hmm. that. You got yourself educated. You got yourself trained. You when it, you know when the opportunity came to broaden or deepen your skills or go to a new city and, you know, be in Houston and develop new banking club. You did it. So there's a certain sense of fearlessness that once you got started, this thing kind of just built on itself, this momentum, like a runaway freight train was 
It was something very inspirational, and I'm sure people tell you that all the time from reading this gorgeous book. Do you think that, um, you know, we were talking about guilt and money, let's say acquisition of, of means and wealth to be able to carry on in the world. It's something that um, women often get kind of, you know, guilt, the guilt trips about um, or in, in certain generations of us that were built, you know, brought up with the idea of being non-materialistic. I think you kind of faced mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. down too. Um, how was that for you to do? It's a, I think it's an ongoing process, but it starts, I think, with gratitude. And you were mentioning, you know, honorable closure and how do we have honorable closure from one phase to another or one job or one relationship. And, um, and honorable means that we complete that experience and, and so that we can then take the best from the experience and the learnings and then move forward into the future and not be encumbered by unfinished business. And right. so for me... You mentioned the hard work and all of that. I, I feel I've had closure with my family and with my religion, and I think I like your take on being non-judgmental. and I certainly um, don't have judgments against people that are currently Jehovah's Witnesses. I think it's a valid spiritual path for many people, and it enriches their lives and helps them um, you know, feel connected and belonging. Um, I, I am against their, their belief of shunning. I think that's wrong, and I don't believe the way they believe. But when I look back on my religion and my upbringing, I can be very grateful for the skills that I caught from, that, from how I was raised. And you mentioned working hard. So there's a way you look back and you go, wow, here's all the, the great things that I took away from that. And also you mentioned money. <laughs> you know, money was... Um, I had a family that had certain ideas that we were certainly middle class and my parents were very hardworking and I'm sure there were times when it was very paycheck to paycheck. Um, not always, but I think I could feel that when, when it was like that. And sure. so getting out of my family structure and into the world, that just showed up as another thing to question. Mm-hmm. You know, it just showed up exactly. as another belief to examine and then, I've, so I've, over the years, continued to examine my beliefs about what's enough, uh, mm-hmm. what am I worth, what do I deserve, and that's an ongoing process, but I am completely open to the idea of making a, a good income, and, you know, I have ideas about that, and, you know, it's like this or something more, but in service to a happy life and, you know, and also using money and service to creating and a world that I want to live in. So, you know, once you have money to share or donate, it, it becomes a nice way of thinking, well, what, you know, what matters to me? And that's an extension of no longer believing in Armageddon because Armageddon right. is God's going to take care of all of the problems, you know, social justice. Don't worry about it. God's going to, Armageddon's going to come and that problem's going to go away. Environmental issues. Don't worry about it. Armageddon's coming. God's got that taken care of. You just preach, knock on doors and survive that, that right. whole construct. Now I think, Oh, um, nobody's coming to save me. Nobody's coming to save the planet. It's up to us to do that. And now, what are the people, organizations, associations that are doing good work and then sharing my money with them if I have extra? Or, you know, just like looking at that as another way that I get to belong in this world. That I get to invest in myself and I get to invest in people and causes with my resources, whether that's my time, my attention, or my money. Right, uh, but and that's how it's worked for me. Is it's all it's all been part of the construct that's needed to be chipped away of belief. <laughs> sure, I like I like how it all it all became uh, up for grabs and all became eligible for questioning. And you've given, in other yep. words, another voice to yourself through money, because charity and um, charitable giving is a way of expressing our beliefs and supporting. Um, and giving power to, 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 you know, causes. And we talked last week about how charity is the new children, you know, for those of us that don't have um, biological children. So I think it's a beautiful, mm-hmm. 
expression, mm-hmm. beautiful way to share and communicate. I think also that your book is so timely in the sense that here's the arc of the baby boomers, for example, who are looking at end of life um, scenarios and increasingly finding that, you know, our friends are getting sick and um, you know, and even for those that are telescoping way back to, you know, millennials, it's really important, um, I think, to have responsibility for ourselves and to have responsibility for walking through the process of ending our life with grace. Um, and you mm-hmm. talk about this um, as your as your book closes as well. Couldn't be more relevant and timely for this generation who doesn't want to exit without dignity and grace. So could you close mm-hmm. us? We're just about out of time, but can you close this with just a little, your, 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 your vision now, because you're helping people with this. Um, mm. Well, um, yes, I do work with people that are in transitions or something's ended and I created a four step process for closure. So I do one-on-one work and then also a team. And um, I love it. But in a nutshell, you're talking about the big endings, you know, the end of our life. And okay. if we want to end our lives in that way, then we have to live our lives that way. And and so the work that I do helps people skill up in the area of endings, exits, and goodbyes, something yes. that's very uncomfortable for most of us. But if we can yes. be good and skillful and graceful with endings, exits, and goodbyes that involve leaving a religion, leaving a marriage, leaving a okay. job, you know, et cetera, okay. then we're going to have okay. that skill set as we advance towards the big ending <laughs> that we all face. Excellent. I'm just going to close with a big note of gratitude to you for helping us face what's important to face and for giving us your grace and insight on endings um, and closure. That's it for this week on Dropping In. Thank you so much, Linda A. Curtis for opening our eyes on your personal journey. My pleasure. Thank you, Diane. The book is shunned, how I lost my religion and found myself. We'll see you next week. And on that note, we'll close our show and give you best wishes for your search, your journey, your path. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then. 